Welcome to Grandstand's coverage of the British Irish Lions Tour. Grandstand Rugby Union. On ABC Local Radio. ABC Local Radio. And on Grandstand Digital. Hello and welcome to the Lionsgate with Tim Gable as we look at the tour of Australia by the British and Irish Lions. And the Lions went down on Tuesday night at Canberra Stadium to the Brumbies. 14 points to 12. And the Lions looking to get the ball back. Finally it comes back to Youngs on his own goal line. He kicks it downfield. Opportunity here for the Brumbies as Mogg has it now. He's 15 metres inside the Lions territory. Brumbies spin it wide. The ball is taken by Smith. Offloads now to Kurandrani. Sprints down the touchline. He's almost there. Cut back in the inside. Try! And Kurandrani has scored for the Brumbies. Less than 30 seconds remaining here at Canberra Stadium. It's 14 points to 12. And the referee is going to give the scrum to the Brumbies. 19 metres out from the Lions goal line. Less than 15 seconds remaining. And the Brumbies lead by two. One of the great moments in Brumby's history. And the referee has just blown time up here because there is a Brumby's player on his back. Close to 22,000 fans here at Canberra Stadium. Marco Caputo on the sideline. Well, everyone's down here. They've cleared the benches. They're all down. Jake White's down. The whole coaching staff, the reserves, the, the injured players are down here. Absolutely writing to sprint onto the field here. They can sniff a victory here. But they've just got to clear this ball, the scrum here. Interestingly enough, when they were going through the motion, the pick and go there, they had Robbie Coleman in the pocket screaming for the ball, planning to plot a drop goal there. But uh, Brumbies, they've just got to do it by inches now. They've got to be really disciplined, not lose their feet at the tackle and keep going, and they'll win this historic game for the Brumbies. 14-12, Brumbies lead the Lions in the soccer. Australia defeating Iraq 1-0. Australia off to the World Cup in Brazil next year. And now Pryor about to put the ball into the scrum. 21 metres out from the Lions goal line. He puts it in. It's won by the Brumbies. Kimlin picks it up. He's driven backwards there by Chapurik, breaking quickly from the scrum. And now the ball comes back. It's kicked in the touch by Esterhazen. And that is full time here at Canberra Stadium. And the Brumbies have beaten the Lions. 14 points to 12. Celebrations. Jubilation here at Canberra Stadium. What a victory. A magic moment in Brumby's history. And looking at the players, you'd swear they'd won the Premiership. What a magic moment for the Brumbies. The crowd's loving it too, Tim. They're going absolutely berserk around the stadium. Let's go down here from Jake White. He'd be incredibly proud. Jake, knocking off the lines. You don't do that every day. How does that go down? Yeah, look, that's probably one of the highlights of my career. You know, you, um, you've got to put in perspective. There's a 580 test caps there, Marco. So, yeah, I mean, it's... You know, it's in a lot of ways, it's humbling, you know, to think that these young boys have done that. Some of the defence tonight was outstanding. Like, the Brumbies actually, in times, looked better when they didn't have the ball, just to be able to knock anything the Lions were able to put, put forward as far as attack goes. Tavita, uh, Smithy, outstanding tonight. Yeah, look, they were fantastic. And I think the way they ground out, they'd win at the end there as well. You know, a lot of, you know, they're very inexperienced, as you know. You know, you've been part of it, standing out the jumper. So, yeah, I mean, I think the way I stood back there and watched it unfold and it was good to see that they could close it off because, you know, who knows what could have happened if we hadn't shown maturity there. Absolutely. And, uh, look, I get the feeling sometimes a bit of the Brumbies history is a bit of baggage for the, for these guys, but great to see tonight they've been able to write their own chapter of Brumbies history. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and it wasn't baggage. I think it's such a proud history yeah, that you obviously got to write your own. And I'm just, I'm just over the moon that this young group of players have managed to get some part of, as you say, a really strong history at the Brumbies. Go and enjoy the evening, Jake. So much. Thanks, Marco. Thanks. 
and the Brumbies had 11 players out through Wallaby duty and injury. No David Pocock, George Smith, Nick White, etc. Five players on Wallaby duty. A great performance by the Brumbies. That will go down in folklore, no doubt about that. Now, the Wallabies take on the Lions in the first test on Saturday night at Lang Park, and both sides have been named. Eight players will be making their debut for the Lions. The team is Halfpenny, Cuthbert, O'Driscoll, Davies, North, Sexton, Phillips, Heastlip, Warburton, Croft, O'Connell, Alwyn Wynne-Jones, Adam Jones, Youngs and Corbusiero. And for the Wallabies, they're starting side with three new faces, including Moen Lea Lafano and Israel Falau. Now, the full team is Barnes, Falau, Adam Ashley Cooper, Lea Lafano, Yawane, O'Connor, Genia, Palu, Hooper, Moen, Horwell, Kane Douglas, Alexander Moore and Robinson. Two very strong sides heading into the test on Saturday night in Brisbane. And joining me is the former Wallaby fly half, now the assistant coach at the Brumbies, Steve Larkham. And Steve, just having a look at both sides, you'd have to say that it's uh, both sides pretty strong. Yeah, I think fairly evenly matched. Um, if anything, uh, the, the one difference would be the size of the British and Irish Lions backline compared to our backline, um, and I guess particularly uh, the wingers. Um, so, you know, the forwards are fairly evenly matched and I think it'll be a good battle there in the forwards. Um, there's going to be a question mark over some of our defences in the back line, I'd say. Is Ralph Folau on the wing? Hasn't played a lot of wing. He's played a bit of full-back. He's played a little bit of wing in rugby union. Do you think they'll target him? Well, I think Jonathan Sexton will um, target anyone who's out of position. Um, and we've seen this year in Super Rugby, um, Israel Folau has been out of position a lot. Um, However, he has played the whole season pretty much at fullback, and so I think his positional game has definitely improved this year. Um, is it good enough, uh, and is his fitness good enough to cover the area in behind to help Barricade at the back? That's the question. Uh, and just having a look at O'Connor at fly half, uh, being a fly half yourself and analysing opposition back lines as you do as your uh, as your role as a, the Brumbies assistant coach. How do you think James O'Connor is going to go at fly half? Well, the big test for him is defensively. They're going to send, um, you know, Davies, O'Driscoll, Cuthbert, North, all through that channel. So um, both he and Christian Milifano will have a lot of pressure on them. Um, so defensively, that's going to be um, a big question mark on, on James. Uh, in attack, he yeah, he's a very good individual player. He's got good feet. He passes the ball well. He kicks well. Um can he combine that with other members of the team? That's the question, I guess, that we're waiting to see whether he can do that or not. You know, not, having Christian Milifano outside him is certainly going to help his game. Um, it'll give him confidence and take a little bit of pressure off him at times. Um, but, but there's certainly elements of um, of his game that that hasn't been tested yet. Yes, yeah, so legal Milifano at inside centre. Does that mean they're going to play a little more expansive than they have? over the last couple of years, when Pat McKay more, more a direct runner? Yeah, it's uh, a little bit different to Pat, I guess. Um, it, it's probably more likely going to give you an ability to adapt your game plan halfway through the game. So Christian can run the ball really well. He's got good feet. He's got good leg drive through contact. Reads the game exceptionally well. Uh, communicates very well and obviously has that passing game which can potentially open up other aspects of your attack later in the game or depending on how they start the game, I guess. Yes, Ben Moen making his debut. Been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yeah, for him, it certainly has been. He's been around, you know, Queensland, New South Wales, and now down to the Brumbies. And 
you know, he, he set a he set a goal when he got here two years ago to make the Wallaby squad and uh he has worked extremely hard through these last two years and, and put himself in a position where he now comes up against one of the best oppositions in the world. Uh, do you think the Brumbies on Tuesday night, by their performance whereby you virtually just tackled the Lions out of the game, is that the blueprint and really targeting in the line out? Is is that the way that the Wallabies are going to unsettle the Lions? Well, it's certainly one way that you could do it. I guess uh, most teams at test level want to have really good defences. Um, I guess what we see out of that game is how the British and Irish Lions respond to that pressure and, and what their default plays are after they come under that sort of pressure. So maybe the Wallabies can take a little bit out of that. Uh, obviously, you want to try and put as much pressure on, on line-outs as you possibly can. Um, I guess for the Wallabies, it's fairly evenly matched um, in terms of line-out jumpers. We've got three, they've got three. Um, they've got a really good front row, so that battle in the forwards is going to is going to be an interesting one to see um, how it pans out. Are there any surprises in the Australian team? Uh, no, I think uh, well, there's a couple of new guys in the team. Uh, I don't think it's a surprise. I think it's been picked on form, um, and I'd like to see those new guys, particularly Christian and Ben, add a lot of enthusiasm to the team, which I know they've done down here. Yeah, the thing is, I guess, that when you're coming into the Wallaby side, you're not sure whether or not you've got to play that conservative style of rugby that you tend to play at test level. It's hard to, I guess, change between super rugby and test level and adapt pretty quickly when you haven't played a lot of test matches. Yeah, that's right. Um, You know, I think uh, at the start of any international season, everyone is fairly enthusiastic to get out there and play well. Um, You certainly need control in your game. Uh, the two guys that are new, Christian and, and Ben, both have excellent control here at the Brumbies. You know, they're, they're the most composed players out there on the field. Ben's obviously the leader of the Brumbies and is making really smart decisions consistently throughout the game. And Christian is the backline leader. Um, and he is is 100% composed 100% of the time. So uh, I'm sure that their enthusiasm, along with their control, will bode for a good game. Yes, and the the fact is that Kurtley Beale, when he comes onto the field off the bench, can add that that X factor a little bit, can't he? Yeah, he definitely can. Um, so you've got Paddy McCabe coming off the bench, who has played some outstanding rugby for the Brumbies this year, albeit not many games. But when he has had his chance, he's played uh, with a bit of dynamism that he hasn't uh, showed in years years gone by. So he's sort of he's he's nice and refreshed now. Um, and as you say, Kurtley Beale uh, coming off the bench is certainly uh, someone to keep an eye on. You know, he was very exciting when he when he made his um, start for the Rebels this year, uh, and when he came back from his little stint out for the Rebels this year, he was also very impressive. So, um, I'm sure this little break has cleared his head, and he'll come out and try and um, play really well. If you were selector, would you have put Quade Cooper in the squad? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I guess. That decision comes down to how he affects the team and, and I guess his relationship with the other players and potentially the coaches as well. Um, obviously, it was very public with the comments that he made last year in terms of how he viewed the environment um, and I guess that was more directed towards the coaches. Um, however, you know they had a tour last year to the UK and, and it was a very successful tour and the, and the guys on that tour... Um, thought it was a very successful tour and it was a, sort of a breath of fresh air not to have Quaid on that tour so um, I guess you've got to weigh a few things up he, he's definitely a, a quality player um, controls the game exceptionally well but does he fit into the team environment 
Well, that's the big question, isn't it? What is it like playing the Lions, by the way? Brian O'Driscoll is still playing. He played against you many times when he was playing for Ireland and the Lions. What is it like playing the Lions? Well, I think it's different now than it was back in 2001 when we played them. Um, you know, 2001, I guess professional rugby was sort of still in its infancy. Um, I think teams are, are way more professional now, particularly off the field, than, than we were back then. Um, I think uh, what we were expecting back then was more of a barbarian style of game. Um, what actually was thrown at us was a full-blown test match that you'd experience against the All Blacks or something like that. So we were shell-shocked in that first game. Uh, but we quickly found our feet and, and sort of uh, realised what we needed to do, and, and that was play tough rugby. Um, nothing complicated. Keep it really simple, keep it tight to the ruck and sort of out-enthuse the opposition uh, as opposed to playing an expansive barbarian style of game. So uh, what the guys can expect, um, you know, the... the British and Irish Lions have a very simple game plan, a very direct game plan. They rely on their forwards getting go forward before they give it to their backs. So very simple. Uh, what we need to do is obviously match the intensity at the start of the game. Um, and and there's, there's a few ploys that you can use in terms of your attack as well that might get you an edge. Now, Steve, before I let you go, I mean, what a, what a win by the Brumbies on Tuesday night. Uh, and you were in tears at the end of the game. That, to me, indicated just how significant it was, this victory by a Brumby side without 11 players playing against a Lions team, which has every player in the side as a, a test player for these various countries. Yeah, very special occasion for the Brumbies. Um, it, it certainly rates up there with the 2001 and 2004 uh, series wins. Um, you know, a number of people have said it, it's more special than that. Um, so... Yeah, I guess it was very emotional for me after the game. It's probably the first game uh, as a coach that I've actually run on the field and I was hugging all the players and, you know, caught up in the, in the whole emotion of it. It was um, it was a very special day for not only the, the players but the fans that came out and supported us. Yes, it'll go down in, in folklore, won't it? Uh, I mean, it has been said, oh, listen, the Lions didn't have their strongest sign, but every every player in that team was a test player. It's, it's the best of the test players from the various countries. Well, that's right, yeah, I think... Between them, they had about 600 test caps. Uh, and the Brumbies team that ran on the field had 28. And I think Clyde Rathbone had 26 of those. Peter Kinlan had two of those. So the rest of the team, no experience at test level. And the game was played very much like a test. Um, and I guess, yeah, credit to the guys because every single one of the Brumbies players played well that night. So it was, yes. it was pleasing to see. Absolutely. All right, Steve, I know you're on the uh, the circuit at the moment, the talking circuit uh, as part of the Lion series. Thanks very much for joining us and uh, all the best, Steve. Thanks, Tim. Former Wallabies fly half Steve Larkham will be back with more from the Lion's Cage in just a moment. There's a break here. He's over. He's charged on the ball. He's going to score under the post. He's got the pace. He's going to score the try here, I think. For your latest rugby fix, join me, Patrick Folks, every Monday from 5 on ABC Grandstand Digital as we look at rugby union from the grassroots level all the way to the international scene. He's dangerous. He throws a dummy. He's stepping. He's going to score if he gets a pass away. What a try. The Clubhouse. The Clubhouse. Every Monday from 5 on ABC Grandstand Digital. Stay up to date with the British Irish Lions Tour. With the Lions Cage. Available online and on iTunes.
Welcome back to the Lions Cage with Tim Gable as we look at the tour of Australia by the British Nairist Lions. The first test is Saturday night and the tour itself is a huge money spinner for Australian Rugby Union. Each test has been sold out. Bill Pulver is the CEO of Australian Rugby. Bill, just having a look at this Lions series, it is so important for Australian Rugby Union, isn't it? Look, it is, Tim. Thanks for having me on the show. It's, um, it's really important. I mean, we've got a wonderful chance to put on display outstanding creative running rugby. Um, the Lions are a stunningly good team. The Wallabies are going to be a stunningly good team. And I'm hoping the Australian public's going to see some fabulous rugby. How important is it uh, financially, firstly, for the Wallabies and for the Australian Rugby Union? Look, it's a big financial deal for us to the extent that, you know, the only bigger commercial enterprise in rugby would be a, a home-based Rugby World Cup. Um, outside that, the Lions is the next biggest commercial enterprise, um, and it's a terrific opportunity to, to bring some revenue into the Australian Rugby Union. I guess the other thing, too, though, that you want to put the, the Wallabies back into the spotlight, put Rugby Union back, back up there, because it has plateaued a little bit. Yeah, look, if you look over the last sort of five or six years, in some, some ways our fan engagement scores have, have suffered a little. Um, and I think in part that's, that's really been uh, technical aspects of the game in terms of how the, play, the game's played and some of our fan base feeling that you know, we're missing the smart, creative running rugby that Australians grew up on. Um, there have been a lot of really positive developments this year. Super Rugby's been fabulous. Um, and we've got a great developing young group of players coming through the Wallabies. So, look, it's going to be a great opportunity to show the talent pool we've got in a really exciting entertainment package. Why has it plateaued? You, you mentioned there the rules. You mentioned the engagement with the public. Is there more to it than that? Well, look, the, one of the factors we exist in the most competitive winter sports market in the world, rugby league, AFL, soccer, you know, all compete with rugby union. And frankly, they're all well-funded, well-run sports. Um, at the end of the day, I think when rugby is played well, it's a more entertaining game than all of them. Um, we've just had a situation, I think, over the last four or five years where, where the game at times has been bogged down through stoppages and, and things that some of our, our public are a little frustrated with. I think the 2013 Super Rugby season has been quite a contrast. You know, um, clearages from Ruxham Hall, scrum completion rates, they're all much, much better. And as a spectacle, I think the game's improved enormously. Would the ARU consider approaching the IRB and saying, listen, you know, it's all very well to play that style of rugby in the Northern Hemisphere. We need to have some changes to the rules to make it more exciting in the Southern Hemisphere? Yeah, look, the abso absolutely, the IRU um, is very engaged with the IRB. Uh, myself and Michael Hawker uh, sit on the IRB council and, and ultimately that body um, implement you know, changes to rules for the game. And there is a real focus on making sure that rugby is an entertaining uh, sport. Um, and, and I think, you know, in the last 12 months, particularly rule changes around scrummaging have been significant. You know, the, the three-stage scrum set has been a very positive change. And there's an addition coming to that as well, which, you know, later this year it will become crouch bind set, which will largely take the hit out of the scrum and we think dramatically improve scrum completion rates again. So there is a real engagement by the ARU at that level of the IRB um, and a real focus within the IRB to, to keep the game entertaining. Just on the second tier of rugby in Australia, are you looking to bolster that by having a third tier below Super Rugby? Well, Tim, I wouldn't describe it as a third tier. We've got, the, we've got the Wallabies level, we've got Super Rugby level, and we have a very vibrant club rugby level in you know, every city in Australia. One of the things I am looking to do, however, is to find a way to accelerate the development of young elite players. 
Um, at the elite level, it's important to understand 95% of the game's revenue comes from Super Rugby and the Wallabies. And I wish we were winning more Super Rugby games. We've had 18 years of Super Rugby. We've won three competitions. In a budgetary sense, we, if we'd won our share, we would have won six. So my sense is that we need to accelerate the development of elite players so we win more Super Rugby games. Uh, and if we win more Super Rugby games, I think the Wallabies will take care of themselves. What about Robbie Deans? Is his coaching future dependent on how the side goes against the Lions? No, look, it's not, it's not linked totally to the Lions tour. We, Robbie's got an agreement in place through 2013. Um, we've got a, a very ambitious program there this year. Ideally, we'd love to win a, a Lions series. We've got a rugby championship. We've got a Bledisloe Cup that we haven't seen in Australia since 2002. Um, then at the end of the year, we've got a wonderful uh, spring tour to the Northern Hemisphere, which, which is now a grand slam. So, you know, there's a big, big year of rugby ahead of us. So, so Robbie Deans effectively has a guarantee until the end of 2013. Do you then look at it or have you already started putting together a committee that will probably look at where we go to after 2013? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm actually in the process of doing that now, pulling together the criteria that we would use for coach, coach selection, the right sort of job description, um, and an advisory board that I will work with you know, over the course of the next few months trying to uh, determine exactly how this process will unfold. Israel Folau, do you think you'll be in rugby union next year? You know, I think Israel Folau is an outstanding young athlete and, uh, you know, will, has the potential to be a, a world-class rugby player. Um, you know, hopefully he's about to pull on a, a Wallaby jersey for the first time. Uh, I would love to see him stay in the game in the long term. Um, you know, I'm not yet sure whether that will happen, but I sincerely hope it will. Are you surprised that you've got to deal so much with player managers and it is becoming more and more complicated when you're dealing with players? Now, look, I think that just goes with the territory. I mean, we, we play a wonderful game in rugby, um, and if we are successful at the elite level, uh, I think that will be a magnetic appeal um, to keep the elite players in the game. We've also got some very interesting developments coming with sevens rugby. You know, the Olympic Games in Rio in 2016 are going to have men's and women's sevens rugby, and that will be also another source of magnetic appeal for elite players to think that in, their, in our code they can potentially represent their country and hope, hopefully bring back a medal. You've got the World Cup coming up in sevens very shortly next month with both Australian men's and women's teams represented. Do you think that going into Rio that we'll have Super 15 and Test players currently playing for the Wallabies playing at an Olympic Games level? Look, I, I think we're going, you're going to see increasing flexibility in terms of policy for transfer of players between 7s and 15s. Um, in the Moscow event at the end of this month, we've got you know, the 7s World Cup. Uh, Luke Moran, Matt Lucas and Bernard Foley are all heading over there to compete with our Australian 7s team. Um, and I think that's a very strong development. We, one of the key th issues with the Rio Olympics is the qualification process. Right, there are only 12 teams that will compete in the Olympics and we need to make sure our team's performance is strong enough to ensure qualification. So, yeah, look, in short, I'm looking forward to making sure we field the very best team in the, in the Rio Olympics that we're capable of fielding, whether they are test players, sevens players, whatever. You've got the Commonwealth Games to start with too, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, look, and I mean, the Sevens program's developed uh, superbly. There's a very comprehensive men's program throughout the year, throughout full 12 months. Women, it's currently only four uh, tournaments a year, but I suspect in coming years that will be expanded. Um, and there's a lot to look forward to. Just on that next tier of rugby, we, we talked about it briefly just a moment ago, behind Super Rugby. There has been talk that you might have, say, a national club competition or you might have you know, a representative competition underneath Super Rugby. Is, is that still on the, on the cards? 
Yeah, Tim, it is. We've got a strategy group that comprises the five chief executives of the Super Rugby um, franchises. It includes uh, Club Rugby from Brisbane and Sydney, um, not at this point from, from Canberra, but it, it does also involve uh, you know, other state rugby union bodies and the Players Association. And one of the concepts under development is a development competition that would take place at the front end of the Super Rugby season. So for the next layer of high potential, that what we're trying to do is prepare them to be ready for Super Rugby and to win more Super Rugby games. So that development competition would start at the very front end of the Super Rugby season, probably finish late April, um, and then allow Club Rugby to start immediately after that so you have a flow of players from the development competition into Club Rugby, not you know, diluting at all the Club Rugby uh, pool. Then at the end of the season, the club rugby season, potentially running a national club's final series. So, and, and by doing that, you could actually run potentially a club sevens tournament inside their season as well. So, look, these are what I think are some exciting new developments for club rugby right around Australia, um, and all designed to support an objective to accelerate the development of elite players. Sevens rugby, I would, I would assume that you're going to look to put on more tournaments in Australia. It's very much a global game, but... In terms of the psyche within Australia, it's pretty low-key, isn't it? Look, Tim, no question. I mean, we, we are underdeveloped in a sevens rugby sense in Australia. It needs to start um, from a, ju a junior club rugby level, right? At the under-sevens level, it's my view that the best starter game is sevens, not fifteens. If you've ever, if you ever seen your, your, your boys or your girls playing the first game of rugby, 15 on 15 is like bees around a honeypot, unstructured, difficult. If you use two halves of the field and play two seven-a-side games... You're going to teach young kids catching, passing, running, you know, um, the, the, the fundamentals of the game. So Sevens needs to have a competitive structure right down to a very junior level and a far more comprehensive national structure. Ultimately, I would love to see super rugby clubs with Sevens rugby teams and super rugby clubs with uh, you know, under-20s and, and women's teams. So a far more uh, comprehensive rugby program at a national level covering Sevens right through 15s. At the moment, when you go along to a Super Rugby game, you just see one game of rugby usually, don't you? Sometimes they have a club game or a, a development game. So would you, we, we have an academy program currently underway, but it's, it's quite limited in the program that it plays. Well, look, the academies we have in Brisbane and Sydney, um, I've been a little critical of them to the extent that there's a lot of coaching, a lot of training, and not as much playing as I would like. My own personal view is you, you learn rugby best by actually playing the game and then supplementing that with good quality coaching and training. So I would love to see these, in the ideal world, um, potentially a curtain-raiser-type environment um, at the front end of a Super Rugby night out. If, you know, I, I have had this, this concept that I'm trying to, to develop with the, the Super Rugby franchises where maybe we do something a bit innovative and play a 25-minute each-way game with no penalty goals, you know, designed to be sort of one hour of rugby that hopefully could get on television, um, hopefully capture the imagination of the Australian rugby community as a terrific example of our young talent playing smart, creative, running rugby. Raises my next point about free-to-air TV, and that, that is a bit of a killer for, for rugby, isn't it? Because soccer's going to have a free-to-air TV deal next year. You've got AFL and rugby league all on free-to-air TV, yet you only get to see the Wallabies. You don't get to see the, the super rugby teams, do you? On free-to-air TV on a regular basis. Yeah, look, the, the structure of our existing broadcast agreement with Fox, and, and by the way, Fox are a very good partner of the Australian Rugby Union and you know, doing some wonderful things such as you know, developing new technology cameras like, like RefCam, etc. Um, but right now the structure of Super Rugby is only available um, on, on Fox Sports. 
I mean, clearly my preference would be to get some exposure for Super Rugby um, at a broader free-to-air level, um, and, and that's something we're, we're, we're in discussion with them about. I mean, I can appreciate the fact that we have a commercial arrangement at the moment that, that does provide live and exclusive access for Fox. Um, having the test matches on Channel 10 this year will be very good. Um, because in previous years, you know, we haven't necessarily had national live coverage uh, of all test matches um, throughout Australia. So uh, this year, 10 have, have guaranteed that. So that'll be a big improvement. So what you're hoping to do is when the next TV deal comes up that you might be able to entice a, a free-to-air broadcaster for Super Rugby because you probably can't do it before that that deal expires. Well, look, Tim, that's the issue. I mean, I would love to have more exposure for rugby across Australia's sporting community. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the items on our agenda. Okay. What about the challenge of the job? Has it surprised you that it is such a big job? Because when you look at it, you think, oh, well, I'll look after the Wallabies and Super Rugby, but there is grassroots rugby, there's women's rugby, there's sevens. It, it is a big job, isn't it? Yeah, look, it is a big job, and while the Australian Rugby Union is primarily accountable for the Wallabies, I th the role, in my view, encompasses all aspects of rugby, from you know grassroots under sevens all the way through to the elite level of the game. Um, look, Tim, I feel incredibly lucky and incredibly privileged to be in this role. Um, you know, while it's it's a, a difficult job, and so far as there is a lot to do in any given day, um, the really good part of it is I get to meet wonderful people that are associated with rugby, and I get to see a lot of football. So it's, it's, uh, it's good fun as well as being challenging. One of the issues that you've probably had to deal with, and I'm sure you've been asked this question before, Quade Cooper versus Robbie Deans and whether or not you feel the need to mediate there to try and sort it out before you know, it destroys either the career of Robbie Deans or, or Quade Cooper. Look, I don't think there's any need to mediate. I'm, I'm not aware of any issues between Robbie and Quaid, to be honest. Um, you know, I've, I've met and spoken with both of them, obviously. Um, and look, there are just selection issues. I mean, Robbie has a very clear agenda for what he's trying to do with the Wallabies. Um, and we've got incredible depth of talent at that level. You know, there's, there's three or four tens in Australia that could be playing for the Wallabies. Um, Robbie, you know, as head coach of Australia, is entitled to, to his preferences, and, and that's where he's at. I don't think there's uh, anything I need to mediate between the two. And just as a final question, just on women's rugby in Australia, do you feel that the need to, uh, to encourage more women to play rugby, given that you're going to be playing it at a sevens level at Olympic Games, is there a need to, to encourage more women not only to support rugby but to get them playing rugby? No question there is a need. At the international level, women are near... There are about 5.5 million people playing rugby worldwide and 20% of them are women. In Australia, it's about 3%. Um, we have a 15s team uh, and we have a developing 7s competition. But um, there's an economic engine behind women in rugby that we're not taking advantage of. Women pay the same entry price as men. The mothers determine the sports their kids are playing. The elite athletes among them you know, have the chance to go and win the country gold medals. There are all sorts of reasons why we need to energise the approach to you know, enticing women into the game. Um, and that's going to be one of the key strategic endeavours going forward. Bill, thanks very much for your time on Grandstand. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Australian Rugby CEO Bill Pulver and Saturday night's test will be broadcast live in the Eastern States on ABC Local Radio and Grandstand Online. This has been the Lions Cage with Tim Gable. Back with more next week.